Hello, one and all. It's time once again to run the bases. I realize that I, I've always been opening these with good evening, but yet you could be listening to this at any time of day. So why not say good morning? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, you don't even care. <laughs> well, hello, baseball fans. Welcome again to Running the Bases. I am Tucker Wells, joined as always by Coach Jordan Bounds. Coach, how are you? Good, sir. Pretty good, thanks. Yeah, it's been a tough week this week. We've lost a lot of really great, influential people in American pop culture. Robin Williams passes away at the age of 61, 63, somewhere in there. How do you. 60, yeah, 61. He was it. Was it or no, 63. He's a year older than me, I think. Yeah, 63. So how, how do you feel about, about that? You know? My captain, my captain. I, I, uh, I had ultimate respect for him. Uh, I was upset that I had to miss Mork and Mindy to go watch, to go to my, uh, the Lamaze classes for uh, my wife, my wife and my future <laughs> son-in-law. I mean, you know, we, our Lamaze classes were on Tuesday and I missed Mork and Mindy then. <laughs> and I was conscious of that. That's a uh, show that has not aged well, by all accounts. No, no, no. But, yeah. you know, it was still, you know, I, I, Robin Williams, you know, has been a part of our lives, been one of the voices of our lives. Absolutely. By far, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording, that, you know, stand-up comedy is something that uh, the United States, of Ameri- United States of America has dominated. There's no one even close. <laughs> dominated yeah we dominate that field but if you were gonna if you're gonna draft the 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 fantasy team of stand-up comics he'd be top three easily wouldn't you say up there with like george carlin and richard Pryor. oh well i to be honest i never saw him uh in a live stand-up i mean you know and no i didn't i mean i've seen steve martin and i i've seen a lot of people but i mean uh if you know, I mean, if you're talking about the top, see, I don't, I don't see him as so much of a uh, comedian, a stand-up comedian, as a comic force. Uh, he would, the the energy that he had, where he would just explode uh, on stage and stuff. But I, I don't know how much he had that as a stand-up. You know, uh, I mean, and his influences, he Lenny Bruce and all that sort of stuff. I don't know, but I mean. He was a great uh, comedian. Yeah, absolutely. That's without question. But Chris Connolly, he was being interviewed on the Bill Simmons report saying how, you know, uh, Robin Williams was so fast, so fast. His mind moved so quickly that he didn't actually tell jokes. Like you could listen to a Steve Martin uh, album or Richard Pryor or George Carlin or Stephen Wright or you name it, and you could tell that joke to sure, a friend. Sure, sure. As, as yeah. he said, though, I mean, you know, he took so much inspiration from uh, Jonathan Winters and that kind of uh, improv type stuff. But w- what are we trying to do here? We're talking a little bit too much comedy, aren't we? Well, you know, it's, I mean, it's all, it's all too bad. I mean, so. you know, Robin Williams, uh, great American, <laughs> great American. He will be missed. So, well, I, I is it, uh, and a, a, he was a great, he was a big baseball fan. He was a big Mets fan from what I understand. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that, you know, I only saw him in Goodwill hunting rooting for the Red Sox and he really had me convinced that he was a big time Red Sox. Fan. No, well, I mean, I know he and, uh, 
the uh, Billy uh, uh, Crystal. Yeah, Crystal used to go to games all the time. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, well, he will be missed. So, well, uh, something that won't be missed for me at this point, getting to baseball here, um, is uh, this season and the Braves. <laughs> I, I don't think it's uh, too far in advance to say that we're not going to get anywhere. Uh, we're now five games out. Uh, L.A. is on the verge of sweeping all seven games that we're going to play against them. I mean, the, the, the times, they are bleak right now. Uh, do you have any hope? Do you have hope that this team rebounds at any point in the next month and a half and makes it to the playoffs? Um. Right now, I mean, you're speaking very much like my son. He he has said that this brave current Braves team is not. Uh, he really doesn't like uh, because of their inconsistency. Uh, and I don't. I mean, if the Braves go on to make the playoffs, capture one of the wild card spots to play in that one game series, fine. I I don't think it really helps them. What I have said without a whole lot of thought into it, that it might be a good thing for them uh, not to make the playoffs this year. I'm not really sure why I think that, but uh, the I, I don't think they're going to go far. Uh, do But do I like watching them this year very much so in a different sort of way uh the the fact that they have signed some of these people long term uh beyond their uh the the year where they can become free agents the andleltons and the kimbrels and the freddies uh i think this is uh, I, I can look at them with a kind of ownership that these are my boys out here rather than just hired help. Um, now, do I like the pitching staff? No, no, they're really kind of painful to Mike watch. Mike Miner, man, Mike Miner. Oh, and, and who the biggest disappointment because I thought so much. I, I said uh, I, I bet we could find a podcast somewhere along the line. And I said that. Uh, much of the year was dependent upon Mike Miner and have, his continued uh, success, and it's been so much the opposite. Uh, had he had, uh, was he three or four games above 500, we would be a totally different team right now. Uh, but beyond that, uh, he's one thing you got to get. He's one of the only Braves that they that was not given the long term contract. You know, a smart move. Well, at this I point, by I all accounts, he might still be that guy. I, I'm not sure. You know, he had physical problems going into the beginning of the season. I, I don't know. the The Braves are, uh, they are not a team to follow right now. Thinking, God, I hope they win. You know, their division, and everything. they're not going to do that. Are they a young? They are the youngest team in the major leagues. Are they getting better? It looks that way in many ways, you know. Yeah, that's all true, all valid. You know, I mean, it, it, it's. Um, I've I've heard this argument said a couple of times in a couple of different places. How in baseball, uh, unlike other sports, you know, if you're in some of the other major sports, especially in this country, that you either want to be great or you want to be awful. You know, because if you're great, you're great and you're contending. If you're awful, though, then you can claim, oh, we're rebuilding or we can be so bad that we'll get the top draft pick. 
um, especially in basketball. I mean, in basketball, nothing's worse than, and we've said this many times about the Hawks. The Hawks are on what's commonly known as the treadmill of mediocrity. So they're not good enough to compete with the likes of, you know, the top contenders in the East and like the Spurs and the Thunder, but they're not bad enough to tank to get a number, a top draft pick. But in baseball, it's, you know, how do you feel about being middle of the road in baseball? Would you rather the Braves be where they are right now? We're five games out of first. We're looking up at Pittsburgh and St. Louis and San Francisco in the wild card by about two and a half games. Would you rather we were just awful? Now, obviously, we'd all prefer if we were outstanding. But between those two, mediocre, middle of the road, kind of in the hunt, or awful? Uh, baseball, you... If you were a fan of the 27 Yankees in 1927, you could have gone to three games in New York that year. Uh, I think the average fan, or let's say you went to four games, uh, four Yankee games, and they could have won two of those games, lost one to the Philadelphia Athletics, and lost one to the White Sox. So you saw them two and two. would that uh, take away from the fact that you saw Babe Ruth swing and miss with such majesty? Uh, forget hitting a home run, just seeing him swing and miss. Uh, baseball, uh, right now, I'm loving watching the Braves. I'm loving watching Andrelton Simmons play short like nobody I've ever seen. And watching Kimbrell come out of the bullpen and just blow people away at times. Just blow them away. Uh, and be so much the alpha dog. Uh, I love Freddie Freeman and all his hugs. You know, at you go to the library today and there is a picture of uh, Freddie Freeman has like read a books type thing in the public library. And he's sitting there and he's holding, you know, he's like, Read with Freddie, you know, it's a, it's a doofus kind of Freddie <laughs> Freeman picture. But he's sitting there holding a book of Heart of Darkness, and I'm like, that's my boy. <laughs> the, uh, the uh, I mean. A retired English teacher, I can see well, that. Well, no, I mean, you know, there are brave, there are things, I, you know, do I like Liberty Mutual, you know, do, that Liberty. If, is, you, if you take away all the stuff around it, you can still just enjoy it and appreciate the game. Exactly. I can, I, I can enjoy one game. I'll never forget a game that I saw Milt Pappas pitch uh, against Chris Short of the Phillies. And it's one of the greatest games of my life. And there were probably seven hits on both sides. It was a three to two ball game. Uh, and it was 64 or something like that, you know, but it was to me. No, no, it's 64. It's like 74. Uh, but it was to me, it was a great game. Uh, absolutely, you know, it, this is, you know, this harkens back to our special about the art of baseball. How um, you really can, you know, there. You look at other sports, just just as an example, that some of these late season games and the regular season in other sports are worthless. You know, like uh, the Falcons. If the Falcons are completely out of it, you know, they're not even going to play their frontline guys. But with baseball, you can watch a game in. Uh, you know, mid-September that, you know, your team's totally out of it and you'll see something that just makes you love the game. 
that you know? was a, that makes it a classic. Yeah. But I, we don't ever talk about the Falcons here, and not that I know enough to even mention that. But Claude Humphrey just went into the Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame this year. I saw year. that, yeah. And I don't think Claude Humphrey played for anybody but the Falcons. He was a great pass rusher. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I bet you could – Talk, if we went to Marlowe's right around the corner and started asking people who Claude Humphrey was, <laughs> I, I don't know that we would get one person that would be able to tell us. You know, it's kind of sad. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> and it, this is for what it's worth. It, it's worth a lot. You know, that and $5 will get you coffee at Starbucks. But hey, yeah, um, no, really. I met at Hudson's, and it's so appropriate uh, at Hudson Grill. I could, I can't even remember his name, but. He was this huge guy, and he was sitting next to me at the bar, and we started striking up a conversation about sports and stuff. And he showed me a picture of himself with uh, winning the Super Bowl with the Patriots. He was on the Patriots. I had no idea who he was, and now I can't even remember his name. But he's got a Super Bowl ring, and then, you know it's that same thing. You know, I don't know. Well, I don't uh, know where I'm going with that. But. The uh, I, Bob Whitfield, who was a uh, Bob Whitfield, I, I think it was Whitfield. Uh, was an offensive tackle for the Falcons forever. You know, he's like 320, 350 pounds, whatever, this huge guy. I taught his daughter, and I remember having a conference uh, with the, because she was not doing like what she should be doing and whatever, uh, a, a smart little girl. But uh, he came in, and he's sitting in a student's desk this person like 350 pounds you know i mean and i feel the, sorry for that desk. The, the desk doesn't even appear at this point you know i um, and i i'm sitting here instructing this guy what he needs to do to help his daughter it was kind of weird yeah all right well, there you go well so um yeah well you know i'm gonna try i'm gonna try you've inspired me just now to just appreciate the game that the braves are playing because you know, you're right. We've got some great talent. Got some great talent. Not pulling it together this year like I'd hoped so. And I blame I DJ. have enjoyed, despite what everybody else is saying, I've enjoyed this year as much as I have any in the last couple of years. Um, yeah, I'd say that. Just yeah. because of Andrelton. Yeah. And and the I would agree that knowing that he's our guy for the next, for the future, you know, for the next six years, someone like him and Freddie for the next eight, that is, that's a great thing. I can't argue with that. Well, um, we got a special topic tonight. We are actually, 20 years ago today, uh, began one of the darkest periods for this great game of baseball, the 1994 baseball strike. So we're going to take a look 20 years later. So, Coach, um, 1994, um, what do you think when you think of that year in baseball and the strike? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind about 1994 in a weird sort of way, is Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, and then eventually Barry Bonds, uh, I think, and, and the Palmeros and all of this, and the A-Rods. Uh, I think 94 brought on Major League Baseball's blind eye about the steroid era. Uh, I don't think so much about Matt Williams' uh his pursuit of 60 home runs that year or the year that uh, Matt Dog was having, you know, or, or, you know, all of these great things. 
actually, the year had been kind of disappointing. We were uh, suffering behind the Expos, and I was. That's uh, why I was going to jump right into that Expos team. Yeah, well, the ex- that yeah. Expos team was a great team. It was a great team, and too bad for them. They might still be there, you know, if '94 doesn't happen. It's yeah. possible. I, I I don't know. Uh, the uh, I, I think where you will have, however. Baseball aficionados like you and I sit in and talk and lament about what a horrible thing 94 was. But let me say, remember, this was the year that we had the massacres in Rwanda. This is the year that the IRA finally called a truce with England and uh, in August, the same day and uh, <laughs> as today. And then later, the Ulster Protestants called the same truce. Well, now this hang on. Is, in the grand scheme of things, baseball always pales in comparison to, to you know, greater things happening in the world. Like That's world a given. peace. Like you world know. peace, yeah, sure. I, I mean, you the... Uh, but we're we're right. here to do all right. It. Yeah. I, I mean, in terms of it, it I, I mean, I look upon it as like it brought on the steroid era, you know, and it was well, that's an a- awful thing, uh, you know. I, but then when I look, you know, even in the sports world, if we look at what happened that year, this was a World Cup year. This yep. was in the uh, United States, uh, where uh, Brazil wins in a shootout. Uh, this is. As far as I know, the last time that Dallas was significant in football, they yep. won the uh, uh, the Super Bowl. I, uh, was that a, well, actually, no, Buffalo. The, no, no, no. That well, they in in the physical year '94. Yes, they won it, and that was actually against played Buffalo. here against Buffalo. The '94 football season, because um, you know the Super Bowl is always played in the year following the season oh, that whatever. it represents. Well, yeah. I, I'm, I'm getting to that. Um, you had the 49ers, Steve Young, actually yeah, ascending okay. to the throne there. But yeah, you also had um, one of the greatest Stanley Cup finals ever, and um, the New York the, Rangers. The Rangers being Vancouver, I think, in that year. Was, yeah, uh, it was kind of amazing how the I, other sports picked up the slack. I actually where... think it's really uh, amazing that I knew that it was Vancouver that uh, I, the Rangers well. defeated. Uh, the, uh, Can you name my... the star from Vancouver? Uh, no, I can't. Pavel Bure, uh, the I, Russian I, rocket. I remember him quite well. And then also you had uh, the Rockets and the Knicks the first year post-Jordan um, when he was on his baseball kick. But I also had OJ. Nebraska. Let's not forget oh, no, OJ. OJ, OJ uh, and Nancy Kerrigan. And, that, that uh, Olympics, Lily yeah, Hammer. Yeah, right. Okay. I mean, you know. Was uh, that Lily uh, Hammer? Yeah, that was uh, I think so. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Well, I well back to ba- the, but I mean, what are we what are we doing? Like not to shy away from ninety four, the year in review, uh, and yeah, know. Northridge earthquake. You know, it's not a great year overall in a lot of respects. But hey, world peace. So when you look at nineteen ninety four, and then the years that followed, um, the drop in attendance, um, the uh, you know, just the the the, the interest in Let's say, well, let's talk about the 95 World Series for a second, because I always have looked at that with my own personal asterisk that we won finally in the year where nobody cared. Do you look at it that <laughs> in the same way? Obviously, we cared. But do you think that the rest of the country cared about that World Series in the same vein as the casual fans before the strike? Does that make sense? Um 
Sure, it does. People, uh, fans are always going to be more concerned with a New York team, a Boston team, or an L.A. team uh, if they're in it, whether they are pulling for them or pulling against them. Uh, having the Indians versus the Braves, uh, that's not a compelling national uh, our nationwide World Series. And, uh, okay, uh, any more than having San Diego or Arizona. Or, you know, there have been all kinds of... Uh, but do you ever feel that the 95 World Series is in any way forgotten in the in the scope of, like, the last 25 years of baseball, that it kind of never really gets mentioned? No, I, mean, I don't. You don't think so? No. I, I rarely would say here. I hear about... Yankee dynasty all the time. The well, back to back Toronto Yankees. Well, yeah, the Tor- Yankees back to back Toronto. No, but look, you got how you, often do you hear who what Toronto fans you know coming <laughs> up? Tucker, Toronto, they kick ass. You know, no, you don't hear about back to back Toronto. Joe Carter, he's a man. No, yeah, you do. No, yeah, you, you do. don't. Huh? No, you don't. Not any more than you hear about Madison Glavin and Chipper and. and and the boys. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's in Atlanta, you know. I mean, they the, that game six. How and much 95, do you hear about Joe Carter anywhere? All the time, all the time. It's constantly played on MLB Network as one of the greatest games of all time. So I don't know. I feel though is that yeah, the national interest was so Wait, low. Uh, one of the greatest games of all time. You don't hear about the Smoltz uh, Jack Morris game. That's in 91. 91. 91. Absolutely. And I, I've argued this many times that if the Braves had won in in any other year except '95, they would somehow, to me, have more national. I understand what illustrious you're I understand what you're status. saying. Even Bobby Cox at the Hall of Fame said that '91 meant more than '95. Absolutely. You know, and it did. It did. Uh, you know, for somebody who lived through all of that, there's no comparison. Uh, 91 was a lot more important than 95. 95 you had to have. And yeah. uh, Glavin had to have 95. And Justice had to have 95. Even Wohlers had to have 95. <laughs> Grissom had to have 95. Uh, Grissom was, also from the 94 Expos. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, when you look back, getting back to the, 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 the impact of the strike 20 years later, you lived through um, the 1981 work stoppage. How mm-hmm. did you compare the two? Obviously, I wasn't alive yet. Yeah. Uh, no offense, but nine, uh, 81. Well, how did you compare the feelings of other baseball fans in 81 versus 94? All right. 81 didn't take out the world series. Exactly. Uh, I mean, and, uh, I remember in 94 it getting closer to the world series and they were talking about different scenarios, how they would pick a team, you know, or, uh, what they would do to have teams, uh, and thinking, I didn't want them to have a World Series in 94. Eventually, it was like, no, you can't. It would be too much of a bastardization of the game. I didn't feel this earlier in the 80s. Um, the, uh, I, um, 94 was a much more of a tragedy than any other work stoppage that baseball ever had. When you look back on it, who do you think is responsible? Because you know, at the time, I remember it was it was clearly called a strike, but revisionist history says it's all it could be a lockout. How do you remember it? It was it was it a players shutting down or the owners shutting down? Um, 
remember, I'm somewhat to the left of Lenin, and here we're talking about the Russian Lenin, not the English Lenin. And yeah. I, uh, so I'm always going to be on the side of of labor. Uh, you know, I, I always I'm going to think it was the owner's fault, whether it was or not. That was kind of my view of things. So you, you, when you think back on it, you think of it as a lockout versus a strike. Much, very much so. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. And, and in the in the aftermath, who do you think won ultimately? Or did they both win? Did both uh, players I'll in? tell you who won was National Football League. Very the good. The National Football League won. And the NBA won because uh, both of the, them made tremendous strides. And Major League Baseball uh, tried to – put up these facades uh, to, I mean, after this, we have uh, Cal Ripken running around the field because he, he didn't get injured for a few years. Uh, and, <laughs> it was a lot and, more than a few, but well, yeah, I get what but, you're saying. All right, and we have, you know, the like, all right, go ahead, let's pump McGuire and Sosa full of so many drugs that they're, they look like superhumans and we'll celebrate them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can you remember, let's talk about 98 here. Um, the home run chase that followed and and by all accounts, quote unquote, saved baseball in the, in the years following <laughs> that strike. Yeah. Can you remember, um, or, or tell us about a time that was similar to that where you, you had casual fans that would, would stop what they're doing just to see a certain at bat. You know, because that's what um, happened in '98. You had, you had people from all walks of life that you know would go and they would want to see when McGuire came up to bat and when Sosa came up. And nothing about the game, not the game, but just those at bats. Right, right. In '61, I'm nine years old, so I have kind of a distorted view of things. Uh, you was, still do, by the way. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, it, it was a. Uh, it was a an expansion year. I realized that, uh, but and I'm living in North Carolina, and every day I would read the sports page, and it would be like Mantle hits 41st, uh, the uh, Maris hits 42nd and 43rd in the same game, and it was like the whole country was following this pursuit of 60 home runs, as both Mantle and Maris were ahead of the thing. I know the same thing happened when uh, Joe DiMaggio hit 56 home runs. Uh, 56 game streak. Yeah, or I had the 56, yeah, I'm sorry, the 56 uh, game streak. Uh, and there were fans following this all over the country. Likewise, to a lesser degree, when uh, Pete Rose had his streak, there were people following that. It didn't get nearly as far, it did get into the 50s. Uh, I think it ended at 44 with Willie Keeler. I'm not sure about that, but um, but there was that kind of following. But I know when Mantle and Maris were uh, in 61, nobody really cared whether the Yankees won or not uh, outside of New York and Detroit. Uh, but people were very concerned with the home run race at that time. Yeah. Well, now, what do you think, um, uh, you know, to you, what is more detrimental at this point? I mean, here we are, 
now kind of at the end of it, the backlash of the steroid era. What to you is worse, the, the, the era of the strike and then just past the strike or now this, you know, post-steroid era dark cloud, if you will, or of those two, the strike versus the fallout from the steroid era, which was worse for the game of baseball when you think back on it? I think they're one and the same. I don't think you can really separate them. I think the strike led to the uh, kind of blind eye that baseball and executives and uh, announcers and whoever gave uh, to this steroid era. There were players that looked like super or looked like uh, cartoon characters. Cartoon characters. They Popeye. were. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was not real. I mean, it, and you could tell. And why they turned a blind eye to this because they loved baseball so much and they thought these people would help it. Uh, that was so wrong. Uh, well, so if if the steroid era or you know, before we call, before we were even called it that. So the home run chase of 98 pulls baseball out of the shadow of the, the strike. Do you feel like now comparing then to now, 20 years later, is there something is, is the, the, the dominance of like a Mike Trout or a Clayton Kershaw, what's going to pull us out of the shadow of, you know, A-Rod and Bonds and all of them, you know, and then not getting in the Hall of Fame and the steroid convictions uh, and biogenesis. What's going to what's gonna be that next thing that pulls baseball back up? Or does it even need to be? Do you? How do you feel about the state of the game today? I don't know that we will ever um, eradicate cheaters. Um uh, Cheaters are always going to be a part of every game. Uh, they seem to be, I mean, we know that. I mean, you're talking about human growth hormones. You're talking about all these people in the NFL that weigh five grillion pounds, you know, I mean, and run four 240s, and you, they're not juice. Jeez. Uh, but we, we don't seem to mind because they wear a helmet and we don't really see their faces. Uh, in baseball, it is a face game. Uh, however, the game is changing. Right now, I'm somewhat uh, disappointed that the fact that the game has turned to small ball and nobody knows how to play it anymore. If Whitey Herzog was a manager today, the, yeah. his team would win 130 games. <laughs> uh, the uh, I So that disappoints me. What is it that's going to change baseball uh what has always changed baseball one player it's always it has from for 150 years it's been one player that changes the game whether it's babe ruth or ty cobb or jackie robinson or whether it is yasiel puig or you know or mike trout or whoever it's going to be one player that changes the whole thing because America wants to watch them. Because it's entertainment. It's a, it's what it is. Well, there you go. So um, a couple more things and then we'll sign off. Um, it was the pursuit of 61 home runs um, that grabbed the natural interest, the, the national interest, I meant to say, um, in 98. So what do you think would be the next occurrence, so to speak, or the next 
you know, record breaking pursuit that would bring people in on a national I, level for I, that one player? I, I'm not sure. I, I understand. Would it be Trout going for 57 consecutive hits or, you know, uh, a, any somebody going for 57 hits? That would be a uh, consecutive hits. That would be a or consecutive games with his that would be yeah. a big deal uh however i i think the steroid era has pretty much put an end to baseball's uh love affair with statistics uh and now we have all of these modern statistics you know with pluses and asterisks and whatever you know uh, defensive runs saved is my favorite new one and of which with, jason Her- hayward is the leader oh with a plus you know in in, <laughs> in the same type of ballparks uh the i mean sure uh i i think uh the the baseball fans love affair with statistics i mean i bet they're still do you think there are more people that know the number 714 home runs or 755? Well, well, I would still say 714. Right. I, yeah. I think, you know, uh, and not 715, you know, or 7, you know, whatever. Uh, it, it's... Uh, I would say there's probably nobody outside of the folks like you and I in San Francisco that know 763 or right. 62, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, uh, the steroid era ended this love affair with statistics and the numbers. Uh, it didn't stop the consecutive things. I mean, and there are certain stats. That are, I don't think we're going to have a pitcher win 511 games anytime soon. Probably uh, not. Although the, it's interesting. We did have the triple crown. You know, first oh, time oh. 67. Oh, yeah. I, but I don't feel like the reaction to that was on the same scale. I, I, I personally believe that it'll take somebody hitting over 400. That that will have the same kind of charisma. That, that, what, what, what a great thing that would be. Yeah, I absolutely. If Mike Trout or Puig or whoever. McCutcheon. You know, you know hit 400. Ah, oh, geez, that would be wonderful. I yeah. would love it. Yeah, because if for no other reason, you would have an interest in that all the way to the end. Because it would take uh, all the sure, way to the end sure, of the season. Sure, sure, sure. So I want you to put on your Nostradamus hat here and go back to 94. Let's say the strike didn't happen. How do you see that season playing out, specifically with our hometown Atlanta Braves? Braves are in second, six games back, month and a half to go. How does the rest of the season play out? Montreal was a better team. I'm sorry, but... Yeah, uh, I don't need to apologize. We, yeah. all, we all know. Montreal They're 74 was, and 40 at that point. Yeah, Montreal was a better team. Uh, I think the Braves would have closed the gap a little bit, but Montreal would have won. Yeah. Who do they face in the World Series? Uh, White Sox that year were... Actually, I do think it would have been the White Sox. Yeah, Frank uh, Thomas, MVP. Yeah. yeah, hard to believe. Well, Coach, thank you as always. Folks, thank you for listening on SoundCloud and iTunes. Make sure you check out our Facebook page, Running the bases, leave comments and feedback, and follow us on Twitter at, at @runningthebase. Coming in a third, we'll see you next time. Good night, Coach. Good night, Tiger. Thank you.